Welcome to Unstyled. I'm your host, Christine Barbrick, co-founder and global editor-in-chief of Refinery29. Each week, I invite a notable person to come in and talk with us as we explore the funny, inspiring, sometimes heartbreaking tales of life, work, and love, as told through the things that we wear. To call Ashley Graham a quote-unquote model is a pretty big oversimplification. Yes, today's guest is a model and happens to be a legendary one. But she isn't just sought after in front of the camera. Ashley Graham is a multi-hyphenate to the max. She has her own clothing lines aimed at body inclusivity, the latest, a collection of chic and practical bathing suits called Swimsuits for All. She regularly drops truth bombs as a host at the Miss USA pageant. And if you haven't seen her in Joe Jonas's toothbrush video, pause this right now, go watch it, and come back. Don't worry, we'll wait. Most of you know Ashley Graham is the world's most famous quote-unquote plus-size model. In industry speak, a plus-size model targets anyone technically over a size 4. But when we go shopping, plus-size clothing starts at a size 14. See the disconnect here? Add to that the majority of women here in the U.S. and many other countries around the world actually identify as part of this category. Plus, per se, isn't a niche, like some brands have led us to believe. And to Ashley, the term plus size is practically an illusion and just another way to put women in a box, which is exactly how she is leading a revolution of the female form. Hi, Ashley. Hi. Thanks for being here on Unstyled. Yes, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I know, we're really excited. So I always like opening up. Well, I like to sometimes open up with talking about how you started your morning. It's early. I'm obsessed with rituals. I've heard that you don't really have any rituals. No. But tell us about your morning this morning. I woke up at 6, got to the boxing gym at 6.30, which is Gleason's in Dumbo. I'm obsessed. My trainer, he trains like Usher and Common. Gleason's I mean, is hardcore. Girl, he is insane. There's a big sweat stink in there. Yeah, there's a lot of fine, sweaty men. There's some funk. <laughs> there so I got there at 6.30, left around 7.30, ran home, and got ready to come meet you. And in the cab, I had my breakfast. I don't know how I'm not having coffee right now, and I'm still alive. It must be the boxing. Are so. you sparring yet? N- no, girl, no. <laughs> I'm too afraid, like, you know, like keep protecting the money maker. Oh, God. But uh, it frightens me. You just mentioned talking about protecting your money maker. What's your money maker? My money maker is my face in boxing. Your face. Yeah, honey. Shake your money maker like somebody about to pay you. Um, (laughs) You have to protect your money maker in boxing. Kind of keep making these coins, girl. So tell us about your scouting moment. Okay, so I was 12 years old in a mall in Omaha, Nebraska. Why I always a mall? I don't know. I think that's where they Scouters go. Scouters malls. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where girls in the Midwest hang out. There's nothing else to do except True. for eat, drink, and go shopping. So You're with your mom. You're with your friends. Yeah, I was with my dad. Okay. And uh, we were in Omaha. We lived in Lincoln at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were just shopping. And this guy came up to me and said, hey, you want to be a model? We were doing a scouting. And we look over and there's like a line of girls. And it's like, what is going on? going on and next thing you know he co- says come to this hotel tomorrow like we'll give you this cold rundown like, hell no he was like uh you know my dad's a business entrepreneur so he's like let's see you know like he's uh-huh. all he's very open-minded to a degree and we went the next day and it was all whittled down to about 20 something girls they were like, yeah, you would be a plus size model and like we would help you train you like whatever that took. And 
you can't really train someone to be a model, but you can prepare them for what it's like to be on set or you can prepare them for what it's like to go into a casting or, or some, or, you know, speak to a client. So that's what they did. And they kind of put us in this thing called um, an expo. And we all went from Nebraska to Texas and they kind of put us on display. Like we had to do like a song and dance kind of situation. And there's all the big agencies all from Europe and New York and LA and Miami were there. And that's where Wilhelmina actually found me. And I was signed with them at 14, mm-hmm. 13, 14, 13. Yeah. That is young. Very young. And then at 15, I went to Ford and I was there for 10 years. And now I've been at IMG for three. I mean, when you were 12 or 13, you were probably still developing too. I don't know. I mean, I was already 5'9", a size 12, probably 150 pounds. And I was hot. <laughs> I wish I felt that way about myself when I was 12. <laughs> I was 5'9", too, at about 13 years old. Let oh, me tell yeah. you, that is not cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's It sucks for dating. I mean, like the boys... It makes school pictures really, really shitty. You know, you can point yourself out no matter what. Like, it's like, oh, there she is. They always put you on the end by the teacher. Yeah, I know. I was always by the teacher. But the teachers were always my friends. It was so <sighs> weird. I, like my, I was such a terrible student. And they said, but she's so charming and so sweet. And we always have great conversations. They say we always have good conversations. (laughs) I know. It's so bizarre. (laughs) I love the idea of like you like hanging out and having cocktails with like the teachers after work. Hey, you going to happy hour? I know, right? Exactly. Exactly. Old Uh, soul. Well, before you were scouted, did you ever think of yourself as pretty? No, I was always second best in my eyes. Like I was always not thin enough, not the prettiest, not the best in the sport, not the not the smartest. So I always kind of told myself, "Oh, you're second best, but that's okay. It'll do." Why did you feel that way? I don't. I don't know because I was never the most popular. I never. The boys didn't always like me. I you know I couldn't keep even A's and B's. I guess it was the pressure of just like being a young girl, not having a super thin athletic body. So you put those pressures on yourself as a woman and as a young girl, even. We didn't have social media. We didn't have, you know, all these outlets. My mom and dad wouldn't even let me listen to rap music. So it was country. What music were you listening to? Country and Christian music. That was it. That's rough. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) At least some old Glenn Campbell or something like that. Uh, Yeah, it would be Johnny Cash. I mean, I love Well, you probably got Taylor Swift on the early end, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. She's much younger generation than oh, me. Okay. I mean, I'm 28, but like, no, she came later and I was like, what's what's this? No, it was like Reba McIntyre and um, Shania Twain. I love Shania Twain. I love Shania Twain. I don't impress me much. <laughs> yeah. I was a singer in my, you know, old life. So, yeah, so I was always second best in my book. And then my mom you know, at like nine or 10, chopped all my hair off. So I Did looked, she do it herself or did she take you to a salon? I No, she took me to a salon, but she might as well have done it herself. It was horrifying. It's like very short bangs, very short hair. Like, and I, my hair was so thick and it was just, and I had these really big round Harry Potter glasses. It was very terrifying. Then it just took me a couple of years to kind of like, you know, woman out and my hair grew out. <laughs> my hips came in, the boobies were nice and high. And next thing you know, I'm in a mall and somebody's like, hey, you want to be a model? And even then, as a model, I never felt like I was the best. I always felt like second fiddle. I always felt like you're not number one because of the size thing, because I was always the youngest, because, you know, there's just always somebody ahead of you or whatever. But for whatever reason, also, it was a competition. Because as a model, you're always taught, oh, that girl's got your job. Or this girl's also up for it. So what are you going to do to get it? 
It's a lot of pressure. It's so much pressure. And I think the moment I stopped competing and the moment I stopped evaluating myself, comparing myself to the women around me in every aspect of my life, that's when I started to succeed. First of all, I loved your TED Talk. It was so inspiring and, to be perfectly honest, terrifying. I love that you showed a picture of your, you and your mom. Mm-hmm. And you talked about how your mom was a great support early on and in making you feel more confident and mm-hmm. more assured of yourself. But I think a lot of us out there don't really grow up with that, you know, that mentorship and that feeling like we're good enough. What do you think about that? Like, how did that really sort of prepare you for being in what is probably one of the most judgmental industries probably in the world. My mom did the best thing that I believe every mother should do. And she never in front of me said that she was fat or ugly or that she needed to go on a diet. And to this day doesn't do those things. And, you know, my mom has fluctuated in her weight. She's just a brilliant woman and she's just never judged herself or the people around her. And I think never having seen that and being a girl like me who wanted to be in, who wanted to be popular, who was constantly judging myself, who was constantly judging the women around me and to have a mother like her to just ground me every time I'd come home, like, I'm fat, I'm ugly, I'm too this, I'm too that. She would just be like, are you serious? Sometimes she would just laugh at me, like, are you joking? me. And I really encourage mothers, whether your daughters are older or younger, don't judge yourself. Don't talk bad about yourself in front of your kids because your kid is a product of you. So if you're constantly saying you're fat, ugly, or whatever, your kid's going to look at themselves and say, my mom says that about her. I must be the exact same way. I mean, the thing is, every single woman I know looks at herself when she's getting ready, when she's putting on her lotion, when she's doing her hair, whatever. And you're judging yourself constantly. And your words have power. And why would you want to speak negativity into your body? Why don't speak life into your body? I think that moment when you come out on stage and you're connecting with yourself, you're confronting yourself on stage in the mirror, I felt uncomfortable, you know, not for you, but for myself. Yeah. You know, you launched an incredible line of swimwear called Swimsuits for All, which made me really think about the fitting room experience for a lot of women. I don't know why people don't get hip to the fact that fitting room experiences are so demoralizing and they really warp your sense of how you see yourself and also the sizing is always strange and no one understands it. What do you think about that? If I ever had a store, I would definitely make sure that the lighting was set up like one of those ring lights so that she or he looked amazing every time they put on something new because the lighting overhead is just, it's it's like raccoon. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Eyes, you see every dimple that's in your body. I mean, it's terrifying. And the other thing is every store is such different sizing. You just never know what you're going to get. 
your collection with Dress Barn. What were they offering you that maybe nobody else was or where you felt the opportunity was amazing? That I could do whatever I wanted. Really? <laughs> so I said, great, we're going to lift up the hemline, we're going to take down the, the neckline, and we're going to make things tighter, and we're going to lose the paisley prints, and we're going to just go for it. They were really great. They were like, how do you want to do this? You know, we really want to make sure that we... Um, that it looks good on a size four and it looks great on a size 24. And I was like, great, well, we've got to get a smaller uh, fit model. We've got to get a bigger fit model because it's not just about extending the sizes. It's about actually making it perfect on a form where you can make it bigger starting at like a size eight instead of a size four and building it up to a 24. I love what you just said, making it perfect on a form. Yes. How do you want women to feel when they go into the fitting room and they're trying on your stuff? Well, I want them to feel empowered and I want them to know that every piece of clothing that I've made for them, I've thought about them. The beautiful thing about being a curvy woman is that we're all created differently. Yes, women in general, but the best part about being a curvy, if you want to call yourself plus size, a curve, a sexalicious, whatever you want to say. I say that all the time. Right? <laughs> but the best thing is that our bodies are so different and not just one piece of clothing is going to fit you. So take it all. I mean, I have thought about every type of body when I've made everything. So I want her to feel empowered and I want her to feel sexy in her own right. And, and I think that it's coming across. I mean, I have women write me all the time and just say, I would have never gotten naked in front of my husband if it weren't for you. We had the best sex of our lives. I would have never worn a bikini on the beach and my kids were so proud of me. I would have never walked down the street so confidently if you didn't, you know, make that dress that covered my arms but, you know, was just above the knee. So it's every it's for every woman. The thing is, I'm not just doing it, you know, just to smack my name on something and say, "Hey, this is mine." Doing it to change the world to change the fashion industry to like wake people up and say why aren't we dressing women that are above a size you know 14 and, and making them just as fashionable as the rest of the world you're revolutionizing the female form oh yeah thank you you're well, you're welcome <laughs> Being sexy, I sometimes wonder, is it like a tree falling in the forest? If I'm not sort of being seen as sexy or if my husband's not seeing me sexy, like, does it count? I think a lot of women sometimes have like some str – they struggle to feel sexy on their own. Do you know what I mean? It's more sort of like we've been kind of taught to sort of be sexy – in the gaze of someone else. Does that make sense? I understand what you're saying. Yeah, but you really seem like someone that is has very much embodied this very personal sense of what being sexy means. It's not about sexuality. It's really about this acceptance of your purpose in life. And I think that that just sort of really activates this energy. Do you know what I mean? Totally. I think knowing who you are knowing your purpose, like you said, and then also confidence. I think all of those things embody sexy. But the thing is, sexy is so different for everybody. Every woman embodies it differently. And one of my um, taglines for my lingerie is, sexy is a state of mind. Because I don't want women to think, oh, I have to put on lingerie to be sexy. I don't want women to think I have to show leg or boob or whatever to be sexy. It has nothing to do with that. It's all about your mental stability of who you think you are, your confidence level, and also just owning everything, owning your job, owning your outfit, owning your hair, owning, owning your personality. And I think that's the key to really just being sexy. And then the other thing is I don't wear lingerie to be sexy or for my man, I wear lingerie because I want to wear it. And I think that's the other thing. Like so many people are doing it for others. Why not do it for yourself? 
have like a, a selfish moment. I think some people feel guilty about that. They feel like it's not it's they're not worth it if it's just for them. And I think that I think a lot of women are very selfless and I think they're all about giving to other people. We're I think that's a great like that. yeah. And I think that's a great reminder. Yeah. I don't prescribe to to any kinds of rules about fashion and about style. I mean, that's what unstyled's all about. But I would love to know like what are some things that you wear that just make you feel amazing? Wow. Um, you know, it's so interesting. What's your secret weapon? <laughs> I, my like my go to secret weapon outfit is a dress that is to the knee or just below the knee. Bodycon usually doesn't have to be. And a little bit of cleavage. Boom. Um, yesterday I wore one with buttons all the way up the front. And I swear I could have gotten anything I wanted in life in that dress. <laughs> I would personally feel ridiculous in a bodycon dress, but I want to try. Really? Yeah. Come I don't on. know. You know, I've got I've got some hips. Yeah. I've got a booty. Yeah. But um I don't know. I just I think I'm always just so concerned about comfort. And I feel like sometimes dresses that are really fitted to the knee, they look amazing on, on so many people. I feel like I can't walk in them. Are they hard to walk in? No, you just have to get like stretch. You gotta get some stretch. Come on, yeah. Yeah. Just give me some lessons in the bodycon dress. <laughs> yeah. I know. To me, bodycon dresses are the most easy because you throw on like a really great pair of spanks. You put the you put the um dress on and then you don't have to think about anything the rest of the day. I am someone that thinks Birkenstocks are sexy. So <laughs> that's great. That's yes. perfect. Perfect. Everybody talks about plus size and the plus size industry yeah. at Refinery29. That's been a huge mission of ours is to really divert attention to body diversity, body positivity, embracing your shape, claiming your space. Um, that's what our summer program, Take Back the Beach, was all about. I mean, what can we teach the industry to really help sort of rise up and acknowledge the fact that this is a very, very dated theory? I believe the word plus size is made for things and not people. And it's not about it being such a negative word. It's about the things that come along with it when you put it on a woman or a man now because there are plus-size male models now. I think that if we stepped away from that and we just said, okay, we're always going to have the word. It's just a matter of when we use it. Then we wouldn't have to have this discussion. But, you know, I've been told for 15 years, you're a plus-size model, you're a plus-size model. And now all of a sudden I've been given a voice about, you know, what do you really think about it? And I've never really liked it. I've never, you know, I've never thought of myself as a plus-size woman. I've always thought of myself as thick and curvy and sexy and voluptuous and, um, you know, dangerous curves ahead. (laughs) But I never thought of the word plus as something that I would want to say about my body and not because I thought it was a word that, you know, I just always thought it was a word that that meant unhealthy or or something that meant something, you know, that people were going to look at me in a different way. Now, there are women who want to be called plus size. There's a community of women who say, I am plus size and I am proud. And I'm like, you know what? That's great. You want to be called, that's fine. I just don't think that the fashion industry as a whole is going to be able to come together and say, you know, we're going to start making plus size clothes for just those women. Like, why why does it have to be a category? Why can't it just be like extended sizes or, you know, and, and then those people also have a rebuttal. They say until every single company is carrying plus sizes, then we'll stop calling ourselves plus size. So I get it. I mean, I get both sides. It's just a word that I've never felt comfortable in my spirit using. 
It's just, I mean, it's not a word. I, it's not something I call myself. Do you ever get tired talking about your body and talking about your shape and talking about being sexy? Yeah, all the time. I feel a little, uh, I, I feel like I'm being <laughs> annoying even like asking you right now, but I feel like it's important to just like, you know. That's the thing. Like there's nobody else really talking about. There's uh, We have the Amy Schumers and the Rebel Wilsons and the Melissa McCarthy's. I mean, they're all really funny. But I'm talking about it realistically. Like, did you see my cellulite on Instagram? Like, something you Let's deal talk with. about that post. Yeah, you, you deal with it every single day. And so does every other woman. A little cellulite never hurt anybody. That's right. But I love that post so much. And I actually noticed it got a ton of likes. It did. A ton. It did. I'm not, you know, walking around with booty shorts on just to showcase it. Like, you know, don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to be afraid to post it on Instagram to say, hey, everybody, guess what? This thing I keep talking about cellulite that maybe you don't see because a lot of the photos that I do for advertising are photoshopped. Guess what? It actually is here. And I don't think that it's a hideous thing. Yeah, I've had my moments with it. I still speak to it. And I say, cellulite, you're kicking today, but that's all right. I'm just going to cover you up and we're going to deal with you tomorrow. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you just keep the day moving. But the thing is, every woman has that. She may not have cellulite, but she has something that she may not really truly like about herself. And that image to me was just letting women know, like, you don't have to be perfect, quote unquote. You just have to be you and you have to love you. I think perfect is boring. Perfect is boring. What was it like to have a pillow fight with Joe Jonas? <laughs> he wasn't my generation of like teeny bopper. I was like looking up his height, his weight. I'm like, does he know what he got himself into? Like, I'm a big girl. <laughs> you guys look good together. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we look great. But I think the best thing about it was they were showing that love comes in all shapes and sizes. You don't have to be equally, you know, the same hotness or height or weight or whatever just to get in bed together. But yeah, we had fun. Thank you so much for being on Unstyled, Ashley. This is so much fun. Thank you. I had a blast. I hope you're inspired after hearing Ashley Graham's story. For even more Unstyled extras, check out Refinery29 or my Instagram at Christine Barbrick. You can also join the conversation using the hashtag Unstyled across your social media. And of course, we'd be super grateful if you'd please subscribe to Unstyled on iTunes and rate us while you're there. You can head to refinery29.com to find this episode and more. And make sure to sign up for our exclusive Unstyled newsletter, delivered straight to your inbox every week. Our show today was produced and edited by Elisa Kreisinger, with production assistance from Rebecca Easley for Refinery29. Copy and research support provided by Lila Brilson. Our theme music today is by the artist Koff. Hannes Brown produced our episode music, and we recorded Unstyled with Paul Ruist. We'll see you back here next Monday for a conversation with Norma Kamali on the art of reinvention.